Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Uh, we're in this series, Looking Back on Christmas, and uh, last week we talked about looking back really on and recognizing the plan of God in, in our lives. That as we look back, in hindsight, we can see God's plan, but in the moment, it's really difficult, right? Like you can be, really be struggling right now, and you could have, at that moment, you could have these questions going through your mind, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten me? Do you see me in my circumstances? Do you see me in my situation? But then as time passes, we tend to look back and we see, wow, God, you were actually there. I didn't see it. I couldn't fully understand it or comprehend it, but in the moment, I didn't see it. And so we encouraged each other last week to be kind of like Mary, who in the middle of her crazy circumstances, I mean, an angel says, you're, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> She's like, I, I, I'm a virgin. <laughs> That's hard. And, uh, and this is kind of crazy, and the baby's going to be born in a All these crazy circumstances that she was in, and she was wondering, is this really your plan, God? Is this how you planned it from the very beginning? Does this make any sense? And what Mary did is instead of reacting in a negative way, instead of feeling like this is wrong, I don't want to have any part of it, Mary, instead, it says she magnified the Lord. She magnified the Lord. And that was a challenge for us as we go through difficult times in our life to pause for a second and realize that the story that's being developed and unfolding is not about me. It's about what God is doing in me. It's his story being developed, right? And that's where we focus. Today, we're going to look back at that first Christmas and we're going to hopefully walk out of here with a renewed wonder, renewed amazement of what God has done for us. I mean, there's, these have been some difficult days. And I know that as we've gone through a pandemic and there's, there's a, lot, a lot of people who have, have lost hope, they've, they've lost a sense of security. And in the middle of all of that, it's very easy to, as we're going through Christmas, even now as we're experiencing a Christmas season, it's easy for us to be distracted. It's easy for us to, to maybe not be so amazed at what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, what God did 2,000 years ago. We're not exactly sure how to feel as we're walking through this because we've lost security. We've lost some hope because of the things that we've gone through. And so my prayer is for us to, to, to as, we, as we explore the Christmas story once again, that we will walk away with a renewed sense of wonder that, that Christmas brings. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the movie Elf. How many of you have seen Elf? It's a funny movie, isn't it? <laughs> I, love, I love the movie Elf. Um, it's a story, if you haven't seen it, it's a story of a, an orphaned boy who sneaks into Santa's bag and then accidentally ends up in the North Pole. And so he's in the North Pole now, so he gets adopted by an elf. And man, I'd love to just stand up here and just tell you story after story of the movie because it's just hilarious, right? But, um, but uh, he, he's, he's adopted by this elf and he grows up in the North Pole and then he ends up back in, you know, in New York City where he's originally from. And so uh, this, this elf 
his name is Buddy, played by Will Ferrell. There's this part in the movie where there's a part of the movie where he gets hired at Gimbel's department store. It's like this, you know, really fancy during, I've never been there, but evidently during Christmas season is a very fancy kind of store, right? So he gets hired by Gimbel's uh, department store to be an elf there at Gimbel's. And, um, and so while he's there, you know, he's, 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 amazed. he's just in awe because it's very beautiful decoration and all that stuff. He contributes to the decorating. But then there's this announcement that gets made and it just changes him. I mean, it's just, anyways, take a look at the video. Man, I mean, no. Sure? Yes, I'm sure. Just do your job. Okay. <gasps> wow! What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah! Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> Santa's coming to town. <laughs> oh, man, you've got to watch that movie. I think I'm going to go home and watch the movie again t- this afternoon. I don't know. But isn't that really what we want from Christmas, right? This, this kind of announcement that just blows us off of our feet, that gives us all kinds of excitement. We're just amazed. It takes our breath away. That we're like we're going around the busyness of the day, the routines of life, and then suddenly there's, there's, this, there's this thing that breaks into it all, and now we're just filled with wonder and excitement. I mean, that's really what we expect out of Christmas, but I think that's kind of lost a little bit for us. It, it's become maybe so commercialized that we don't really get that excited about what Christmas, the true story of Christmas is all about. As I watch that clip, there's two words that really come to mind for me. And they're the words wander, W-A-N-D-R, and the word wonder. They're very close. It's spelling. They they sound the same. You actually get them confused sometimes by how you pronounce them. It's a little bit different spelling, though. And they're also very different in meaning. And when I think about this video clip, I think of these two words. The definition for, for wander, for example, is this, to walk around in an aimless way, wander, to walk around in an aimless way, to move without purpose or direction. So when I see the clip, I think of, that's exactly what all these little elves are doing. They're just wandering around. They're just getting everything, everything ready for, for the Christmas season. There's not a whole lot of purpose. Not a whole, it's, just, it's a lot of chaos, a lot of movement going on, but there's not a whole lot of direction and purpose for it. But on the other hand, you have wonder. Now, a lot of us have been wandering. Like, I think this pandemic has kind of created some disorientation for us. Like, we're coming into Christmas, and again, I said earlier, we don't really know how to feel. You know, should we be excited about Christmas? I mean, 
We just heard that there's a new strain. You know, what do we do with that new strain? How do we, how do we react to it? How do we engage with it? Do, you know, and it's easy for us to get disoriented and find ourselves just wandering around week to week, month to month with no purpose, no direction. We're not exactly sure where to stake our claim and say, this is what we're holding on to. Because things seem to be changing all the time. So we're wandering. But the word wonder is a little bit different. It has a different definition, and this is really what I believe Christmas should be for us, especially if we're followers of Jesus Christ. Here's the definition of wonder. It's a feeling of surprise, feeling of surprise mixed with, with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And I submit to you that we live in a world with not enough wonder in it. We live in a world that's numb to wonder. There's a lot of restless wandering going on, but not a whole lot of wonder. And I, my hope is that we can look back at that first Christmas and recapture the wonder of it all. We sing that song, but I don't know that we always sing that song with meaning and intent and real being very intentional about taking it in. Then instead, we sing that song, but we're just, our minds are scattered. We're just going everywhere else. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 to see some of the wonder of that first Christmas. And again, my prayer is that we'll look back at that first Christmas and we'll look back and not just, it's not just a sweet story that we read or songs that we sing about, but we look back at that first Christmas and we see and, and are amazed at the greatest gift that was ever given to humankind, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, All right? So... We need this because, frankly, we are a bunch of aimless, restless wanderers, right? We wander from relationship to relationship, and we can't seem to find love. We wander from neighborhood to neighborhood, house to house, and we can't seem to find a home. We wander from screen to screen to screen to screen, and we just never feel connected. And I think, I submit to you, that we need to recapture the wonder of Christmas. So in Luke chapter two, Jesus is born. You know the story, the birth announcement is made to, to the shepherds. And I know that when we read the story, sometimes we can read the story and we're so familiar with the story that we don't really capture some of the nuances of the story. And I don't know if you realize this, but do you realize that the very first announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ was made to shepherds? Like I'm surprised you know, if thinking about, if he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I'm surprised that shepherds would be the first ones to know about it. Like, they weren't really very popular people, shepherds, right? They were not highly thought of. They were considered ceremonially unclean. They couldn't really go into the temple to worship. I mean, and yet, this is a group that God intentionally and very personally announces the birth of Jesus to. Shepherds. Now, shepherds, that's using our language here, the metaphor that we're using today of, of wander and wonder. Shepherds were professional wanderers. That was their job, was to go from pasture to pasture with sheep, taking care of sheep, wandering around. Their life was very mundane, very predictable. And in the middle of all of that, Christmas shows up. Luke chapter two, verse eight says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Again, these are shepherds are living out in the fields. It doesn't say, didn't say they were like, they were, they were out in the fields. It said they were living out in the fields. Like 
That's their lifestyle. They were considered dirty and smelly people because they were living out, out in the fields. And it's interesting that that's in antiquity, so as you read some of that about, about shepherds, the, the stature that shepherds had, it's interesting that they were considered dirty and smelly in a time period when pretty much everybody was dirty and smelly. So you must have really been rank, right, to be considered. If somebody that's dirty and smelly calls you dirty and smelly. But that's them. Verse, verse 9 this is happening, and uh, it says, verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the good news that they're announcing. This will be a sign to you. You will find so... You, telling you this is the announcement and here's a sign you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger so that's the sign that you're going to see that the savior has come then verse 13 he says suddenly it says suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests like these angels appear and they don't like I would think that they would appear at the UN or something, you know, they would appear to dignitaries, but they appear to these shepherds. <clears throat> when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, okay, so they went, they find him, and when they, so when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, or filled with wonder would be another way of translating that, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told." And so what we see in the story of these shepherds, if we just isolate the shepherds, what we see is we see a group of people who were aimlessly wandering and suddenly were filled with wonder. And my prayer is that that's what we would experience today, that as, two, as we look at this story 2,000 years later and you know, think about you know, how difficult it is, it was for them, that we too, whatever circumstance you might be finding yourself in, whatever struggles, maybe you're still reeling with the whole pandemic stuff, that you too will experience the wonder of Christmas. There's a lot of loss of wonder around the Christmas story. We uh, were distracted, we're disoriented. And so what I want us to do is I want to hear the story with fresh ears, right? And regain the wonder. I'm gonna talk about three enemies of wonder. Three enemies that basically distract us or keep, cause us to, to see the story that we just read and the season that we're going through as just one more thing that we do every year that's sprinkled with meals and buying Christmas trees and putting presents under a tree and all the other things that we do, which are fun. I'm not against any of those things. But we, in the middle of all that, have lost the true meaning and wonder of Christmas. And my prayer is that we'll regain that, Right? So the first enemy of wonder, I think, is familiarity. Like if you've, 
you know, you've heard the story before, right? If you grew up in the West, you've heard the story, not just, you don't have to just come to church to hear the story of Christmas, right? You can watch it on Charlie Brown Christmas on TV. You'll hear the story of Christmas. You walk through the mall and hear it in the songs, you know, the story of Christmas. And we become so familiar with it that we just don't appreciate it as much anymore. In fact, that's why I don't really like preaching Christmas series so much. Because, well, I, I don't know how to get your attention anymore. You know it. Or at least you think you know it, right? And so I've, for the last 25 years, I've preached Christmas and, uh, and I mean, I've tried to do it in so many different ways, like, like one day I might try to see, you know, Christmas from the perspective of the donkey. I don't know. Maybe that will speak to you, right? That's the problem is that we're so familiar with it. We're so accustomed to it. We're so used to it. And that's the challenge for us. That it's so familiar that it loses some of its wonder. And so what happens is, and it's subtle, and it's true, and it's real, and you recognize it, but what happens is when Christmas rolls around, instead of us being in awe and amazed at the Christmas story, what we're awed and amazed at is there's a new Air, AirPod Pros coming out. I hope I can get those for Christmas. Or maybe mom and dad will have some car keys in the, under the tree. And that's our form of amazement, that's our form of wonder. Mike Iaconelli, he's no longer with us, but he wrote this book, Dangerous Wonder, and he says this. He says, the greatest threat to Christianity may be people who say they believe in Jesus, okay? We're not talking about people who are against Jesus. We're talking about people who believe in Jesus, say they believe in Jesus, but are no longer astonished and amazed at what he has done for them. And I think he's right on. That the greatest threat to Christianity is not the liberal agenda, it's not an unbelieving world. It's those of us, you and I, who have experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we've been in this for a little while, and we begin, it becomes very familiar to us that we're no longer amazed, we're no longer in awe of what he has done for us. And so my prayer is that God would do that for us, that he would do for us what he did for those shepherds, that he'd catch us off guard, and he'd renew the wonder of what Jesus has done. Now, these shepherds, I mean, they didn't have an exciting job, right? They were, like I said, they were professional wanderers. Their job was basically to make sure that the, that the wolves didn't eat the sheep and that the sheep were eating. And they just kind of wandered around. You know, that's what they did. It was, it was mundane. It wasn't, it wasn't exciting at all. And on top of that, it was probably not mundane and not exciting because after all, we're talking about sheep, right? Sheep aren't that exciting, now, there are, I, did, I did run into sheep once that were like, wow, that's, I'd like to see that sheep again. I, I had never seen it. I'm an adult. I'm in my late 40s at this point, and I'm at a farm out in Will, Williamsburg area, and this guy named Mike Crippen calls me and says, hey, come check out these sheep. I'm like, really, Mike? You're going to want me to check out sheep? Like, what's up with sheep, you know? And he said, watch this. And then he clapped his hands, and, the, and they froze, you know, like they're like... Like these sheep, they're called fainting goats or fainting sheep or something. You guys familiar with that? See, I grew up in a big city. I don't know that kind of stuff. But anyways, it just freaked me out to see these sheep like that. That was their defense mechanism. Like, can you imagine that? Like, God, what, did, what was God thinking about that? When, like, yeah, I'm going to make their defense mechanism that they paralyze. So when a lion jumps out and spooks them, they just, you know, 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. But anyways, sheep are not that exciting kind of animals. They, they just aren't. Right? Like I've taken my kids to the zoo many, many times and they've never said, hey, Rich, or <laughs> hey, Rich. My kids don't say that. Um, hey, Dad, can we go see the sheep? <laughs> they don't, I don't even know if there's sheep at the zoo. I don't know, right? Like there's bird watching clubs, right? But I don't think there's sheep watching clubs. And if you have a friend that says, hey, let's go watch some sheep, like Mike, you probably need new friends. You know, I mean, it's just not, it's not an exciting thing. Okay, this is the life of these shepherds. This was their job. And so in the middle of this very predictable occupation, Jesus shows up and it changes the course of the world. Look what it says in verse 15. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Like they didn't, they didn't get the news from the angel and say, oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, let's keep herding sheep. They didn't yawn like, oh, wow, savior of the world. That's awesome. No, it says that they immediately, they just immediately had to go see this thing. Like they left their wandering and replaced it with wonder. They left what was familiar to look for something a little bit more exciting. Like, like personally, they take that step, right? And then they use the word, let's, let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see. In other words, this word is about intent. It's like examine. Let's look intently. Let's, so there's intention behind this. Now I would submit to you that if you're in this season where you're just, you know, it's very familiar to you. You're just going through the routine of Christmas. Like you know, you've got your list and you've got all the names that you've got to buy gifts for and you've got to get the Christmas tree on a certain time. Well, maybe you already, maybe it's too late now if you don't have a Christmas tree. I don't know. But you've got this list of things that you're doing that you intentionally pause and say, okay, let me rediscover the amazement, the wonder of Christmas. I need to look intently into this story. I think another enemy of wonder is discouragement. It's easy to feel discouraged during this time of the year. Maybe you're, maybe you're one that's struggling with finances and you, and you feel the pressure of having to buy gifts, of providing things for your children and whatever, and you're feeling that pressure and that eventually turns into some discouragement because you can't exactly do, if you feel like you can't make them happy. For some of you, it's more like in the last couple of years, maybe you lost a loved one to COVID and now they're not sitting around the table and you feel very discouraged about that. For others of you, maybe it's your job, right? I mean, Christmas can be a reminder of things that discourage us. I mean, we're still wounded from a global pandemic and I think that even that is discouraging to us. And I think the shepherds would be kind of like that. I wouldn't be surprised if shepherds might have been some of those who experienced discouragement in life. No one really, <clears throat> no one really aspired to be a shepherd. I mean, it wasn't a, a job occupation that anybody wanted, really. They were, like I said, they were considered dirty and smelly. They, weren't, they were unclean. They weren't allowed into the temple. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. Like, they could see a crime happen, but because they're shepherds, they could never even testify in court because they were considered untrustworthy. And maybe you relate to this. 
Like maybe this Christmas, there's a, just a lot that you would want to change about yourself. Like you're kind of going through Christmas now, and there's a bit of discouragement going on for you. Maybe it's discouragement with your job. And you wish that you just had a different job. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in. You're, maybe, it's a, maybe you're just discouraged with your marriage. And that's a struggle for you. And you just wish you had a completely different marriage. I mean, life hasn't gone the way you thought. You feel discouraged. And so this Christmas, part of experiencing wonder is to take ourselves out of the center of our story. Here's the problem with us. The problem with us is we can navigate through life as followers of Jesus Christ, but all we think about is me, 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 and mine. This happened to me, that happened to me, my job stinks, my marriage is not working out, and the whole narrative is about me. And then Christmas comes and goes, and yeah, we bought some gifts, whatever, and Christmas, but to recapture the wonder of Christmas, maybe we need to take ourselves out of the center of the story and remember that Jesus is the center of the story. And it may be just short-lived because your situation is difficult, I don't know. But I'd love for us to replace the headlines from new strain of the virus, Omicron, to Jesus Christ, the Savior, has been given to this world in our own lives. Amen? These shepherds, despite their humble occupation and likely discouragement, they found wonder in Christmas. I think a third enemy of wonder is <clears throat> cynicism. Now, I say cynicism, I don't, I don't mean skepticism, okay? I, I, I actually like a good skeptic. Somebody who asks questions, you know, challenges assumptions. But a cynic is one who, who basically is, is a person who kind of makes fun of others, you know, who, who makes fun of the, the, the enthusiasm of others. That's what a cynic does. They're always looking at life through a negative, they have a feeling of intellectual superiority and they're always looking at life through this negative lens. And so maybe some of you, maybe you're in this room right now, maybe you're a cynic, right? You know who you are. You get angry that somebody would post pictures of puppies on Facebook. <laughs> Or that you're watching a romantic comedy and, and the couple in the comedy actually at the end of the story get together and it's a happily ever after kind of thing and you're like, that's dumb. And you, you criticize that, you make fun, it annoys you that that's happening. I mean, you're cynical. <clears throat> and I would admit that there's a lot in this world to be cynical about, right? Like I've decided to stop watching the news because even if they're talking about Ordinary things, it just seems to be politically infused. And I'm just cynical of politics these days. So much going on in this world. Pandemic has made us cynical. Or maybe it's not the global things. Maybe it's not those big, big things. Maybe it's more personal for you. Maybe it's he cheated on, cheated on you again. And you're just cynical about men. You just don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. One of, my fa <clears throat> one of my favorite things to see as a pastor is when a cynic becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. I love that. It's just, it's just incredible to see it happen. 
I mean, I've known people that I've, I've seen them, I know them, I, I've heard their story, I've talked to them, and here's what I, I walk away, I walk away saying to myself, they'll never, they'll never accept Jesus. They're so cynical, they're so negative. But then what happens is, is that maybe uh, it's like, here's what's going on, they're going through life and they're looking at it from a, a certain vantage point, a certain perspective, and they're just cynical about the Christmas story, they're cynical about, about the resurrection, they're cynical about whether Jesus really rose from the dead, they're cynical about the things that we do in practice, baptism and communion and all those, they're just cynical about all those things, and then suddenly, suddenly, it's just at a distance, but suddenly things become very personal for them. Like they get a diagnosis that they were not expecting. Or their husband says, I'm on a divorce. <clears throat> they lose their job. And suddenly this, this story that they have been making fun of and cynical about becomes now a very personal story for them. And that's really a challenge for you and me is to take this Christmas story personally. Like I understand that we celebrate, I understand we celebrate uh, this holiday as kind of like a community type celebration, right? Like Christmas, we, we're doing this and we're all singing the same songs together, you know, and we think of Jesus, it's, you know, it's, it's great news, good news of great joy for the whole world. But you have to understand that all people, the whole world, you are one of them. And so instead of having this detached view where I'm just celebrating Christmas and it's just kumbaya for everybody, maybe what we need to do is just bring it right down to our own heart and say, Jesus, you did that for me. You did that for me. Um, sometime before our first son was born, Jonathan, <clears throat> my wife, Christy, signed us up for Lamaz classes. Anybody taken Lamaz before? Done Lamaz classes? You can raise your hand. A few, a few of you. Okay, good, good. I'm glad that somebody else did. I was duped otherwise by my wife. <clears throat> Be honest with you, I wasn't a super eager participant of the Lamaze classes. I, I just, you know, I would go there and I'd sit there and they'd kind of talk, talk to us about breathing lessons and, and we'd watch videos of just like, I wanted to puke, they just grossed me out, you know. And I think the reason why it was really a big hit for Christy is because she would get these back massages, you know. She got back massages every time we, got to, we went to this Lamaze class, you know. But I was a bit indifferent about it. I just, I was polite. I, like, I didn't say things, I wasn't, but I wasn't an eager beaver either. You know, like my manhood was at stake here in this class, you know. And so taking these classes, but then a few months later, suddenly all, everything that I had learned in Lamaze just became incredibly, it wasn't funny anymore. Like it was very real now because my wife sat up in the bed and she said, uh, my water broke. <laughs> Middle of the night, you know? And, and we're like an hour away from the hospital, you know? And, and so she sits up and says, my water broke and it freaked me out. Now she's calm, she's a nurse, so she's calm. I'm freaking out. I'm like running around, grabbing stuff, you know? And, and she's like, I'm gonna go take a shower. So she goes and takes a shower. And I, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I really am. I was just, this is the first child, you know, I'm just really crazy going, running all over the place. While, while, she, uh, while she was taking a shower, I went and grabbed a whole bunch of these big, gigantic, hefty bags and lined the seats of, the, of my brand new car because I was like, I don't want that junk on the seat. You know? <laughs> and so when my wife sat down, she's like, what is this? I'm like, well, you know, anyways. Um, so <laughs> 
So we get to the hospital, you know, and I'm just trying to remember all of the stuff that we're supposed to know, you know, breathing and stuff, you know, and I'm working on it, working it, working on it, you know, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm totally confused, totally disoriented, you know, and there's this moment where it was a long labor and Chrissy was tired and worn out, you know, and, and she's lying in the bed there and there's this moment of respite where she wasn't so, you know, tired and not in so much pain at that moment that she leans over to me and she says, does this. And so I lean in close to see if, you know, she's going to tell me something really amazing. Like, I love you. You're the greatest husband on the face of the earth. I don't know if she was going to say something like that, but it says she, I lean in and she goes, brush your teeth. Your breath stinks. (laughs) So it's kind of crazy. Um, on December 15th, 1988, my son, Jonathan is born. And, um, I have to tell you, I stood, I stood, this is Jonathan, sweet little Jonathan, looks just like Finn, his, my son Jonathan now, he has a son named Finn, and they look just alike. In that hospital, suddenly, Lamaze, all, you know, I was just amazed, I was in awe, because it was no longer a distant story of somebody having a baby. It wasn't a video that I was watching. It was my wife. It was my son. And it became incredibly personal to me. And I know that for many of us, we take the birth of Jesus and it can be just a story out there. It's just something that we sing songs to. It's, we buy presents, you know, and we, in token way, you know, read the Christmas story on a, on a you know, December 25th. Man, it's so much more personal than that. And I hope that you can navigate through this Christmas, especially as we think about everything that we've gone through in the last several years and the disorientation that we're experiencing, the struggle that we're experiencing, that we would recognize that Jesus came for you and for me. It's very, very personal. The birth of Jesus changes everything, gives you hope, it gives you life, He gives you grace. Amen? So what I want us to do is I want us to look back on that first Christmas story. We're going to do something a little bit different today than we normally do. And I want you to make it personal. I've wondered how can we do this because I realize that there's a whole group of people here, a couple hundred, 300 of you here in this room right now that, I mean, I don't know where your minds are. I don't know what you're thinking about. Maybe you're you're thinking about lunch. (laughs) But here's what I want to say. I'm going to ask us to all stand up. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because I want you to focus, okay? And in closing your eyes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a few lines, a couple paragraphs of that first Christmas story. And what I want you to do is I want you to imagine yourself as a shepherd in that story, with your eyes closed, and you, you can bow your heads if you want, you don't have to, but with your eyes closed, just have, let the imagination begin to flow as I read these words. <clears throat> Do you see the stable just behind the inn? It's not very big, it's just a shed, really. You duck inside, and as you do, almost immediately you take in the odor of farm animals and hay and shepherds. I mean, after all, it is a stable. 
As you listen, you hear an unusual combination of sounds. You hear sheep and goats, but you hear a baby. That baby is God in the flesh. As you look more intently, you notice that this, his first night is spent in a feeding trough. And then there's Joseph. He's a new father. He's strong. Rough carpenter hands accustomed to cutting down trees and making furniture, but you watch as he gently scoops up the baby, walks towards Mary and lays baby Jesus on her chest. Oh, and look at Mary. She seems so young, a teenager, really. She looks exhausted laying there, but through the exhaustion, she smiles as the baby is laid on her chest. She looks up at you and motions you to come closer. You step forward to get a better look at Jesus, and Joseph stops you hands you a little bit of hand sanitizer and a mask. Can't be too careful. You look closely at him. He's just a baby. But this baby has come to give his life as a ransom for yours. You touch his brow and think one day Judean thorns will be jammed into his forehead. You touch his cheeks and you know that one day some foul tobacco-chewing soldier will spit on him. You look at his tiny shoulders and you know that someday they will carry the cross that will take every sin that you have ever committed away. You look at those tiny hands. They will do wonderful things. They will touch lepers and make them whole. They will heal children. They will make blinded eyes see again, and those same hands will be nailed to a cross. As your eyes are closed and you're pausing for a moment, say to yourself, he did this for me. He gave his life for me. He sacrificed everything for me. Yes, he died for the whole world, but he died for me. We're going to pray. Our prayer teams are here left and right. Cedar Rapids, Wilton, your prayer teams will be set up as well. I want us to make Christmas personal. Let's not just be aimless wanderers. Let's be in wonder of what he has done for us. Amen.